name is Suzanne Legrand, and today on Disobedient Femmes, my guest is Marie Schumacher. Marie is a musician, teacher, director, and founder of PDX Vox, Portland's a cappella singing program, and a professional coach specializing in creativity. Welcome. Thank you very much, Suzanne. It's great to be here. Obviously, you are a highly creative person who has spent a lot of time thinking about creativity and how to cultivate it. Why is it so important that we cultivate creativity? That is a great question. Um, I feel as though creativity is important for everyone, even if they don't feel as though they're artistic, because it brings us back to who we really are, to our true purpose, to our true nature. And this idea of being creative is just really staying in touch with, um, you know, our authentic side, what we love, what we value, and really trusting that and following that path. So kind of designing your own path rather than taking in the messages around you and doing what you're, what you're told in one form or another. A lot of people think of creativity as something that belongs primarily to artists or people who are professionals in artistic fields. Are there different kinds of creativity in your opinion? I think so. I mean, I, I think people use the word in so many different ways. And I think that there's a way that you can think about it aside from the arts, which is just really um, connecting the dots in an unusual way and coming up with a new type of way to look at something or solve a problem. So the idea is kind of not, not going according to conventional rules, not following tradition for its own sake, but coming up with a new type of solution. So I think it's about keeping your brain really nimble. You know, we all have dreams at night and our dreams are really nothing more than our brains sorting through all of these different ideas. And, and sometimes, connecting things that don't go together. You know, these dreams that we have where we're in a house and all of a sudden there's a waterfall and the, the things don't make sense. But um, we want to have that kind of fluidity, I think, in our daily lives to some degree so that we can come up with new solutions. So that's that's one form of creativity. And then a lot of people use the word, of course, to talk about artistry in general or 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 related to the art forms. And I would say that you know, there are some parts of being an artist that are not all that creative. They're, it's very much about doing a technique and over and over again, using repetition, building skills that are really pretty rudimentary. And then the creative part is the self-expression or how it's put together with other people. So um, even though they're sometimes used as interchangeable, they're, they're really different things. I'm wondering if you have noticed how creativity has helped people in this in this time period do you think that that it has been a, a way in, for people to survive some of the traumas that we've experienced well one thing is that I do think that people who are artistically inclined are used to being really resourceful with what they have and they're used to adapting and they generally have a really positive relationship with change and so I know artists who have been able to pivot really well or creative people where they're, they're really clear that, okay, it, it's almost like artists who really love to improvise, whether it's musically or in terms of theater, they're like, okay, here we go. Here's a new scenario that we need to work. And some people have even been a little bit energized by that. Um, and then other people, I think, 
who take a little bit longer to pivot. I mean, some of it's related to creativity and some of it's, cre I think, related to a lot, just dealing with loss. Some people just take a longer time to process those things. But, um, you know, everyone's situation is really different, but it does seem as though people who have been able to learn new things and also maybe reframe and have a perspective on it have done well. And I would say that that's, that's a, a big part of what creative people do. In your coaching practice, how is it that you work with people to help them develop their creativity? I do a few different things. I mean, one is that we spend a lot of time um, looking at values, what people really care about and why it matters. And also what, what people are passionate about. Um, I think the other thing that we spend a lot of time on is the inner critic and thinking about um, what kinds of what kinds of inner voices, what kinds of ideas and beliefs are holding this person back? Because so often it's about clearing the path toward, um, toward saying yes to something and, and not letting limits get in the way. Why is it that people have such loud inner critics? I think that we're, we're built to have some inner critic going on. It's really important for our brains to tell us when there's something threatening and our, we're wired for that, for looking for threats in order to keep ourselves safe and protect ourselves. Um, I do think that we live in a time where we're getting so many messages thrown our way and, and certainly being on, I mean, we've, we've gotten more digital than ever with the pandemic because that's our lifeline. And so um, that has also built up a lot of um, a lot of inner voices that we're getting from the culture that tell us to be a certain way, and of course, social media is so much about personal branding and showing who we are and demonstrating what we're doing all the time. So that has, I think, taken away. Um, there's less space for us to listen to our own voices and to sort out what's going on with our voices. Um, but yeah, the dealing with the inner critic, it's a really natural thing. It's pervasive. And there are definitely things that we can do to um, interrupt that and recognize it, get a little bit of space and say, wait a minute, where's that coming from? Does this message serve me or is it getting in the way? What are some of the techniques that you have for either avoiding being paralyzed by the inner critic or, or maybe creating more confidence so that that voice isn't as loud? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I mean, there are a few things in my, um, in my coaching practice, and this is something that I've, I've borrowed from Julia Cameron in The Artist's Way. I really encourage people to have some kind of a journaling practice or some, some kind of practice where they're decluttering their mind and really normalizing all of the noise that's in there in some way, getting it, getting it out and also seeing that there's nothing wrong with me. This is, nor this is just the way the brain works. So I think doing that is very important. I also think that um, having some kind of a practice where they're collecting wonders and staying in touch with their senses in a way. So some of it's doing really tactile stuff like cooking, going for walks and taking photographs, um, doing something with their hands, feeling the sun on their skin. I mean, you know, all of those things that really help us feel almost more like animals rather than these brains <laughs> with like these bodies on them, you know, where we're so we're in our heads all the time. 
And that seems to me another block to creativity is that we are so in our heads and a lot of people have difficulty with overthinking and anxiety around just focusing. Is there any way you have found to to deal with that problem of too much overwhelm, overthinking, yeah. And, and, you know, general anxiety, which I think is, is pretty prevalent right now. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think that, gosh, I've talked to my clients a lot about anxiety and on an emotional level, I think one, one technique that's, uh, that's helpful is the idea of interrupting or, or really being aware of the, the emotion cycle. So in general, um, the emotion cycle is where there's a, there's an event that happens and then there's our reaction to that event. And then there's what our body does, you know, the, the stress response, and then how we decide to, to act. And so if we can press the pause button from the, an event happens, like say, for example, um, my mother calls me to remind me about someone's birthday seems innocent enough, right? But that might trigger me in some way, like, oh, she thinks that I can't remember, or she's telling me how to live, or, you know, I might have a negative reaction to that. But if I use this technique, I, I press the pause button and say, okay, wait a minute, where is that reaction coming from? Why am I, you know, how is my body feeling right now? Where, you know, and it doesn't have to be a deep analysis, but just recognizing that something's happening, naming the feeling, naming the body, what's happening with the body, and then deciding to act from there. So some of it's just being able to kind of step back and leave some space for that. Um, I think that that related to art making and anxiety and being being overwhelmed in general, um, in, in from a coaching perspective, I think it's really important to think about small steps over time. It's so easy for us to feel like we've got to get really good really fast and that creativity is going to, you know, I'm going to be inspired and all of a sudden this beautiful painting is going to, going to appear in a couple of hours. And the behind the scenes of creating is really a lot of small, faithful steps and being really just, just showing up in small ways. Sometimes it doesn't go that well. We do make mistakes. That's how we learn. Sometimes we make really mediocre stuff to our eyes and ears. And that's also part of it. So also kind of having a realist view of how the process goes and, and still having faith that on a dreary day, on an uninspired day, showing up is what counts. And if you keep showing up, then the inspiration will, you'll be ready. The, the prepared mind will be ready for when inspiration does strike. You use the term creative resilience. I'm wondering if you could explain what that is and, and why that is important to cultivate. Yes, sure. So creative resilience is the idea of building um, emotional strength so that you can thrive in times of stress and using um, some of the tools that creative people use um, in order to do that. Um, during the pandemic, I've been studying, I've, well, I've been studying creativity for a really long time and teaching workshops on that. But more recently, I've been interested in resilience research. And what I found is that creative people and resilient people, people who have survived difficult situations and have been able to not only survive, but thrive, have some things in common. 
Um, and I can roll those out if you're interested. I, I mean, am. So, yeah. 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 So some of them are, um, let's see, one is autonomy. So a sense of self, you know, feeling really comfortable with who you are and not worrying about what other people are thinking or doing. Um, and that also um, relates to being clear on what you can control. So autonomy in every sense, a really strong sense of that. Um, resourcefulness, as I mentioned earlier, really being able to work with what you have and not worry about what you don't have. Um, adaptability, having a positive relationship with change and being able to pivot and kind of getting, um, even uh, getting some juice out of that, that that's, things are a little bit uncertain, that's exciting rather than um, difficult. Another is um, some kind of social connection. It doesn't have to be that you have a lot of support, but that you have the skills to reach out to people for help. And then also when the time comes, you can also provide help. And so the last piece, which is really interesting to me, is this idea of your story, a person's story, their personal narrative, and how they frame that story. So it relates to a couple of things. One is um, your self-talk. So this idea of the story that you tell yourself about what you've been through, what you're going through, what you're learning from it. Um, and also just how you how you frame it, how you frame your situation, how you tell the story to other people, and maybe how you look back on your story and make a meaningful narrative out of it. So people who have survived difficult situations sometimes sound as though it hasn't been too terrible. I mean, they, they're able to frame it in a way of, in terms of growth and meaning. It's not to say that it wasn't painful, but um, they're able to somehow carve something good out of it. Um, and artists do that all the time, right? I mean, that's, I feel like so much of artistry is about taking difficult feelings and situations and stories and turning it into something beautiful and then helping other people heal through that. You know, listening to this list of, of things that make people resilient, it strikes me that we live in a culture that does not cultivate resilience. <laughs> I mean, just to take one example that you mentioned, the first one is not being too beholden to other people's opinions. It seems we live in a culture where we are constantly seeking approval via social media and we're constantly told to compare ourselves to others. We're trained to compete. All of those things make us pay a lot of attention to other people's opinions. How might we change that orientation to not be so, to not define ourselves in relationship to what other people like or don't like? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's the it's the big question, right? Because we do need one another and we and none of us can can operate completely on our own. I mean, isolation is also a big issue in our culture. So we kind of have the wrong, the wrong kind of connection happening in a way in terms of our own health as individuals and as a culture, I feel. Um, I think that the the big one for me is um the idea of stepping back from media on a regular basis and making a habit of that and spending time alone. You know, solitude is a positive thing. I mean, loneliness is not a good thing. That's when you wanna be with others or you feel that, that no one understands you even though you're with people. And solitude is about really savoring the time 
in your in your own body, in your own mind, in your own heart, and and exploring in that space. So I think that really valuing that and valuing our our uniqueness and what it can bring to the world. So there is this way that it, I mean it's a very confusing topic, Suzanne. I, I I'm glad you brought it up because I often think that people there's this idea of of um, being less selfish in a way, but, you know, like there's so much narcissism in our culture as well. And yet there's also a lot of conformity that's not very healthy. So finding that independence, that autonomy that's healthy and that helps us, but also helps the people around us. It's, it's a kind of inner strength, I guess, that can also be very compassionate and generous. I guess that's the, that's the, uh, the paradox of it. One of the things that you talk about is incorporating small practices of creativity in everyday life. And one of the examples you use is using a ceremonial bridge to switch gears. I'm wondering if you could talk about what that is. Sure. So this is an idea that that the the everyday brain that pays the bills and takes care of emails and and just gets things done is different from the creative brain. That there's there's overlap, of course, but that there's a mindset where your your brain is more dreamlike, and you're you're having a stronger vision and more intuition, and tapping into that, and not worrying about logistics, and not worrying about the the uh, the sort of critical thinking. Um, and what I love to do, I mean, the simplest thing that I do is when I decide that I I'm going to be doing my morning pages, or I'm going to be working on songwriting, or I'm going, to, I'm going to do some drawing, I either light a candle, or I drink a cold glass of water. And this is the idea of I'm passing into a new experience for a little while. A less exciting one or a less romantic one is that I put on a timer, because sometimes I feel as though my day is so full that I can't make space to get into that creative zone. But I'll say, you know what, I'm going to take 15 minutes and I'm going to do a quick drawing, or I'm going to play a chord progression, or I'm going to I'm going to um, cut it down to something manageable so that I can just have a taste of that. And sometimes that leads to spending more time. Other times I just have to say, okay, time's up, and I can go back to it. But either way, it's it's certainly better than not having any of that in my day. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about some of the other things that you do. You are a songwriter. Um, you also are the director of PDX Vox, which is a acapella choir, right? And, and a program, really. Uh, music plays a big role in your creative practice. I'm wondering if there are things that are specific to music that you think can be applied more generally to creativity. Like, are there you know, the methodology of music is, is really working with sound and rhythm and voice. How do you incorporate that into your creativity coaching? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think that with my coaching, it, it tends to be a little bit one or the other right now. Either I'm coaching someone in singing or I'm coaching someone on songwriting or I'm coaching them on a transition that they're going through related to work, or um, maybe they want to work on their business, you know, they're artists and they want to work on their business. So I have a lot of different types of clients doing different things, but, but for music that it's really interesting. I would say 
in terms of singing and and by extension songwriting it's so vulnerable it's such a vulnerable experience and and it's it's such a a fundamental form of self expression that um i think it's one of those things where it's really important to let the other person lead and also build on strengths um and it's also, I mean, singing, no matter what the quality is, is so good for the body. It's such a release. It, it gets you breathing deeply. It gets you moving. I mean, we're, we're built to, to make notes, right? We sing before we speak. So it's something I, I feel as though is everyone's birthright. And so I think that the main, the main thing with singing that has been so helpful for me as a coach is helping people just focus on a physical experience that can happen in the moment. So being in the moment and also this idea of process without judgment. So just show up and do it. Don't worry about how it sounds. Don't get critical. And then over time, maybe take some steps to, to mold it into something that is pleasing to listen to or something that they can kind of have more control over. So there are a lot of different levels of it, I guess. Um, do you have anything else in mind? Cause I, I could go on for hours about music and creativity. No, I just think it's so interesting that you do so much with music and you're also so involved with, um, creative coaching. And I just was interested if, you know, a lot of times people think of creativity in terms of the visual arts. Mm -hmm. So I was just curious what sound and embodied sound adds to to our understanding about creativity that was yeah yeah no that's a really good point I mean the music can be a little bit tricky for some people because there are a lot of people who approach music um, from a technician's point of view like they're almost like an actor like they learn a set of skills and then they they take the work of other people who are, who are writers, who have written a play or, you know, in the case of a musician, a song or a composition, and then they, are in, they implement and interpret. So some, there are some musicians, I think, who um, they're more in that technical realm, uh, which is interesting to me, but lots of musicians talk about the, the value of, you know, improvising. Um, and I do think that there's a way that, um, I mean, singing, you know, it's really important to do warm up exercises that are playful and to, you know, music can be very playful. I think that the trap of music education has often been that it can be very academic too. So, I mean, this is a really interesting topic. I see music as very playful and yet I've had to unlearn some things from my education so that I don't see it as, okay, I've got to hit the right note. I've got to be on time. Like there are some precision aspects that can make it very technical and kind of suck the creativity out of it. How have you pivoted during this period of the pandemic? Because one of the things I understand is that musicians cannot sync up on Zoom to make music together. Yeah. So that has been a huge challenge to playing music live or singing together, for example. Right. Oh yeah. How have you, what have you done in this period to keep people engaged in music? Yeah, it's a great question. It's been, it's been tricky. I mean, we've been doing what a lot of singing groups have been doing, the virtual choirs um, that we, I never thought I would do it, but it was really what we had available. And so we went through our arrangements 
And the instructors would um, record guide tracks for people to learn. So usually we don't do that. We have the sheet music and then we have MIDI files that are, are kind of computerized versions of the parts. And so we, we made some nice customized files that people could, could use at home. And then we met online in a couple of classes and the instructors would go through um, the charts and the singers would go, would just sing along on mute. We really wouldn't, wouldn't take, um, we wouldn't be singing as a group. And then the individual singers would send in recordings and we would put those together. Um, as far as what we learned that worked well is we, every month we would do a new set of choirs. So you could either do a couple of choirs or we had these other classes that we would do. We had a songwriter's toolkit class, like learning how to stay vocally fit at home. I did a couple of songwriting classes, an artist way mini class. We had a couple of virtual bands. We had a, um, like a rhythm workshop. So we had a lot of different creative classes that worked pretty well online. And then every month we would do a showcase where people could do an open mic performance, either recorded or live, or we, and then we would also show what we had been working on our virtual choirs. And we would, we would unveil all the, all the fruits of our labor. And it turned out to be a really nice rhythm where we would get together online once a month and it, it really kept the community together. But I have to tell you, Last night we started our first in-person um, gathering and it was so much better than anything that we had done online. I mean, we really, I'm so proud of our online program and yet it just is not the same as getting together and singing with people in a group. So I'm so delighted that we're back in person. Hmm. What is it that you know as an artist and a teacher and a creativity coach that you didn't know when you first started this path? I know that small steps over time make a difference. And that if you fall off the wagon, you just forgive yourself and get back on again. I know that showing up with devotion to your art is more important than the idea of discipline. That showing up with love, I think is important even when the work is hard and tedious and is not as maybe romantic as you thought it might be. And I know that doing, um, staying in a creative mindset and, and whether it's artistic or not really helps me stay in touch with myself and my, what's most important. And I feel more alive when I'm, when I'm in touch with that. And that's really what it's about is making, making every day really count and feeling fully alive and grateful. Today on Disobedient Femmes, my guest has been Marie Schumacher, a musician, founder of PDX Vox, and a professional coach specializing in creativity. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Suzanne. I love talking to you. It was a pleasure. I am Suzanne Legrand, and this is Disobedient Femmes. Each week, I bring you interviews with women artists, writers, and social change makers if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave a comment. Thanks.